0: All right, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the uh, Wednesday, March 1st edition. Uh, Hard to believe we're already into March, and this kicks off the National Weather Podcast Month. So uh, the Carolina Weather Group gets to, uh, I guess, the uh, dubious task of kicking off the podcast month. So I appreciate you guys joining us tonight. This is a little bit later than uh, we normally do, but uh, nonetheless, we appreciate uh, you joining us tonight for the Carolina Weather Group. If you are in the Carolinas, and uh, we hope you're safe right now, numerous reports of severe weather throughout uh, both North and South Carolina uh, as uh, this system has moved through from the Midwest all the way now to uh, here in the southeast. So uh, we do hope that you're safe tonight and you're uh, in your house and just kind of stay in for the rest of the night as the uh, storms pass off. So um, couple of severe thunderstorm warnings ongoing we did have a few tornado warnings earlier luckily in my area so uh no official tornadoes uh touched down, but we did get some uh, damage uh, wind damage and also a few uh, large hail reports um golf ball to ping pong size hail so kind of uh big for uh, our area this early into the season but we'll talk a little bit about that in just a little bit but uh let's do some of the housekeeping rules this is a live podcast so if you do have any questions tonight please feel free to Send them our way via Twitter or our Facebook page. We'll check those throughout the show, and uh, we will direct those to our uh, our guest Bill Murray tonight. If you have any, and if you're watching on the uh, recap or the podcast or watching the replay in the next few days, we'll have Bill's uh, share his uh, social media stuff at the end of the show. That way, you can connect with Bill then. So I guess that's about it. We do want to welcome everyone who may be uh, new to the Carolina Weather Group due to the podcast uh, National Weather Podcast Month. So uh, we do uh, our show every Wednesday night at eight p.m. So we'd love to uh, have you as a regular uh, on the show. So with that, I'm going to sw- swing it over to Shay, who the storms have not hit down in Charleston yet. Shay's been basking in a uh, record heat, I believe, down there, Shay, <laughs> in the uh, Charleston, South Carolina area.
1: I'm telling you, it's uh, it's been warm, I and mean, we hit eighty-three degrees today at two twenty p.m. Broke our old record of uh, eighty-one back in nineteen fifty-one. Uh, it's just, you know, the anomaly. You know, spring is here early. I mean, we'll get a little bit of a cool cooldown uh, once this front comes through. I and mean, yeah, I'm watching the storms on Weather Monitor right here. Uh, so yeah, it's just been one record breaker after another. I think Jared Smith with Charleston Weather here put put the best. He's a picture of it, of just a, a room with broken records. And <laughs> I mean, I literally broken records. It was um, it's just one after the other. And uh, actually, found a really interesting piece of information from Weather Service Charleston. And they said that basically, uh, in the whole month of February, we had no freezing temperatures, which is unheard of for Charleston. Our last night that we had freezing temperatures was January the 10th. So that's that's pretty significant for our area. Even though we are a warmer climate, we still get wintry weather all the way through February. Um, it's it's I don't know what to say. I mean, it's it's anomaly. We got pollen everywhere. Flowers are blooming. The azaleas out. The dogwoods are out. Everything's uh, in play 20 to 30 days early.
0: Yes, uh, the pollen is, is a killer, as I, I'm sure all of us on the panel tonight can attest to. Oh, um, yeah. It is um, it is it's crazy for this uh, early season. So I'm going to toss it up to Ricky Matthews. I know Ricky's had a busy day today with wall-to-wall coverage and thunderstorms and everything else. So I know Ricky had a little little rant session, too. So, Ricky, I'm going <laughs> to give you the floor, and then I'll let you uh, bring in our guest afterwards.
2: Oh, not so much a rant, just, just a, a few topics of – Thoughts I gotta get off the top of my head. Yeah, as Scotty mentioned, uh, I'm located in Northeast Tennessee, Southwest Virginia. We're in the Tri-Cities area, Bristol, uh, Kingsport, and Johnson City. I always tell people, have you seen that Gecko commercial or Gecko commercial with the dancing Gecko? That's us. We're right there. I work two buildings from where that was shot. Um, But anyway, so yeah we had a uh, interesting day here we started off the morning with a line of thunderstorms it had been expected for a few days but this morning the storm Prediction center went ahead and upgraded us uh parts of our area to a moderate risk and uh before that even happened though we were dealing with a lot of school closings and school delays and uh early dismissals and stuff like that as a result of some of the storms moving in so you know it, it's an interesting situation scotty and shay and bill because as you guys very well know and you guys run into this a lot in alabama bill kids go home from school and then they're by themselves
3: yeah exactly today's the anniversary of a very bad tornado that hit in alabama that highlighted that you know that very situation for sure um because you know sometimes they go home to places that are way more dangerous than the situation that they would be in in school so you know it's it's a catch-22 and administrators are in a difficult position but sure. you know there's certainly kids are generally much more safe at, at school than they would be either in transit or you know in, in a in a home without supervision or in a, in a location that maybe is not structurally as sound as the school building for sure sure
2: and of course i don't envy any school administrator having to make some of those calls and stuff you know they get flack whether it's a good call bad call someone always has an opinion on it uh, so we uh respect all their opinions and then uh the calls they made, but it's an interesting topic that I think, you know, even around here is going to have to be talked about a little bit. Scotty?
0: Yeah, I was going to say we we talked about this in our, in our office earlier today. None of the counties that we cover were um, dismissed early, but some of the mountain counties just outside of our area dismissed as well. I think around 1130, 12 o'clock. And it, we talked about, I wonder where they get this information from, you know. To me, I, I think it would come from local emergency management who may get that from the National Weather Service. And then we talked about, I wonder how much social media has played into this. And, mm. and now anybody can, can tweet about the weather and, and stuff like that. So it, it makes you think, I wonder where where this decision makers are getting all their information from, you know. I personally would hope it was coming from the local EMs and the National Weather Service, but you just you just don't know in this day and age.
2: And we're uh, lucky to have a IWT meeting integrated warning team meeting happening this Saturday in Johnson City So I'm looking forward to uh, maybe getting a few answers from some of the school administrators. I know the weather service is eager to talk to a few as well and uh, see What we can dig up so all right enough of uh, my ranting and let's dive on into our topic tonight Bill you should know all about severe weather down in the heart of Alabama. You guys been dealing with a little bit yourself, too
3: no, oh, Lord. I've been dealing with severe weather for as long as I've been uh, alive because uh, even at, at age two, I had a grandmother who stuffed me under the crawl space of her house every time, I, as she said, a cloud came up. And, uh, so I was petrified of the weather from, uh, from near birth to sixth grade. And, uh, that, that fear, um, died on the night of April 3rd, 1974. And, um, after living through that night, we didn't get hit luckily where I lived, but it was such a petrifying night that um, I never really was scared of the weather again. So I've been fascinated by it the whole time, got sort of hijacked out of a out of a pure meteorology career, but was able to circle back around to it uh, in the late 1980s and uh, had a lot of fun time on television in Birmingham for about six years at the CBS affiliate where I was getting paid to do something. I'll tell you a story about that in a minute uh, if you guys want to hear it, but um, you know, I, it's just been an amazing ride for me, you know, to get to do just today what I've been doing, you know, covering Alabama's weather. We had, um, you know, uh, nearly 50,000 uniques today and nearly 500,000 page views on our site. And, um, you know, it's just really an honor and a privilege to get to deliver weather information to, to people.
2: And for people who, you know, who are maybe tuning in for the first time, Bill is part of uh, Weather Brains, another weather podcast that. This happens on Monday nights at uh, 9.30, some familiar names, James Spann, Kevin Selly, uh, Rick Smith, uh, Aubrey urbanowicz and Nate Johnson usually joining him. And, oh, I can't forget Brian Peters too. I can't forget uh, KFC, uh, and Colonel Sanders.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Ricky, uh, uh, Bill almost completes the, the complete uh, We I don't think we've had Aubrey yet, but we've had everybody else but, but I, Bill and Aubrey I, on our show. I so
2: we're, we're missing Kevin, too, aren't we?
0: No, we've had Kevin on, because remember, that's when we had the wrestlers come in. Oh, yes.
2: I forgot about that. That was when <laughs> Kevin caused a stink that night, and That's right. He's, the, uh, he's known to do that.
0: <laughs> we had masked men coming in, joining our hangout, and we was like, what the heck happened?
2: <laughs> but, but Bill, you, you mentioned you know all the stuff you're involved in. First off, tell us a little bit about Weather Brains, and then we'll kind of dabble into uh, Alabama weather, because I think that's a, a really interesting site that you guys have created and that you uh, – you know, get hundreds and hundreds and thousands of impressions off of.
3: Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun or yeah. Weather brains. Um, really, you know, I, I took an idea to span and I think it was 2001 and it basically was to do a weather talk show. It was called weather talk. And I did a whole lot of work and I was really proud of it. And I took it to him and said, we got to deal with the NPR affiliate. We're going to do an hour worth of weather talk every Sunday afternoon and it'll, you know, play on the, play on the NPR station and, you know, we'll go out and, you know, we'll barter some underwriting for it. And he looked at it and he said, I'm not giving up my Sunday afternoons to do that. And, uh, you know, so he said, this is just going to be too much work. Well, about two years later he called up and said, Hey, I got this great idea. Let's do this show called weather brains and it'll be the 60 minute talk show about weather and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about national weather. We'll have email and all these things. And so, you know, at that point, podcasting had become possible And so that made it possible for us to do it from anywhere and, um, you know, to not have to pay a lot of money, you know, to buy the airtime and suddenly, you know, it liberated us. And so I think we went live in January of 2005 and it's hard for me to imagine that every single week we've never missed a week with the show, um, 580 episodes into the can. So it's been an amazing run somewhere about 15 or 18 months in, I asked for permission to start going after some, you know, big guests. And the first big guest we had was Jack Williams. I don't. Can anybody tell me who Jack Williams was? You guys are too young. We to all remember. the test. He, all right. um, he started the USA Today weather page and, um, has, you know, wrote a couple of really cool books that were, you know, full of infographics. So you don't have it in your weather library. It's something you should get. But Jack Williams, um, you know, was on there. And then a few weeks later, Jim Stefkovich helped me get um, uh, Tom Skilling. Mm-hmm and that was just the the ultimate you know and so I, you know I went and called Tom Skilling up and I couldn't believe he actually answered the phone and you know he said yeah Bill I'd be glad to do it and you know I didn't hear from him again and it came to like a week before the podcast and I'm driving him you know sending him emails and calling him and not getting responses and it, we did it on a Monday morning because he could only do it in the morning and you know I Literally, I just looked at spanning them on the hangout or whatever we were doing. Then I guess it was Skype, and I said, You know, I guess he's not gonna show up. And they were like, Oh, well, we'll have a fun show, you know, blah blah blah. And so suddenly my house phone rings and it was Tom Skilling, and he goes, Where am I supposed to be, Bill? And I'm like, Just follow this link and you'll be where you need to be. And it was, it may have been still the most fun podcast we uh, that we ever did because he's just an amazing
2: man i think that's one of the really cool things about the weather industry weather podcasting you know uh, we've had the privilege of having gary england and a few other folks on our show before and it's crazy for me just to call up gary england on a cell phone and be like hey gary are, are you joining us tonight and uh, you know these idols and people that so many people look up to and respect and then uh you know they're just other people who get to do cool things in weather and uh, are so, also down to earth most of the time so been a pretty cool ride for us and and certainly for you guys what's perhaps the coolest guest you think you've ever had on weather brains
3: well skilling obviously rates way up there um you know there have been so so many you know when we did our 500 show and you know uh, went back and and listened to a lot of the stuff it was just literally amazing you know ginger z is an amazing person uh jim cantori's been on several times he's coming up chuck doswell is always full of information um, and fun at the same time. I bet he'll be a blast in a couple of weeks when he's on, because um, he's probably loaded for bear. Um, I don't know if the presidential speech changed any of his political opinions last night, but um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, just John Coleman, you know, here's the guy who started the Weather Channel. You know, that was amazing. Of course, you mentioned Gary England, Ricky, and of course he was fantastic. Harold Brooks is one of my favorites, you know. He's a brilliant man. And when you talk to him about not only, you know, tornadoes, you're talking to one of the smartest people in the world about that. But, you know, ask him why we all had to take German when we were studying meteorology, you know, and he'll, he'll tell you, he knows because, you know, German was the language that most uh, journals were written in, um, in the 1800s, not much was going on in the weather in the United States, because, you know, people like John Park Finley were being squashed by crazy people in the weather bureau, And, uh, you know, he, he shed a lot of light on that. I think, I think having, yeah, I could just go on and on and on, but those were, you know, some of the great ones and we've got some fun ones coming up in the next few weeks because of this national weather podcast that Scotty mentioned at the beginning. This is a really cool deal.
2: And, you know, one of your tasks on weather brains is kind of finding guests and booking guests. How much of that now is you finding guests versus people suggesting guests?
3: Well, we, we keep a big backlog and, you know, it's funny cause you know, people send us guest requests all the time and, you know, sometimes it's just a timing thing. You know, you look and you say, yeah, that's a great idea. Like there's a guy named Blakesley, Dr. Blakesley that's part of the SpaceX program that John Huntington sent this morning. Well, you know, that just kind of goes top of the pile, you know, when you have a regular loyal listener that sends something and, you know, they've done a little homework for you and found the email address. And, you know, you read it and you go, wow, that's exactly something that, you know, I really want to do. And so, you know, I've reached out to him for, you know, a May day, for example. But, you know, a lot of it is we, you know, we sat down as a group and we said, who do we want to have? You know, the big gets are the, you know, the, the Usellinis, you know, the Ginger the Cantore's, the Doswell's, you know, the Gary England's, those bring the big. Uh, You know, the big sort of viewership uh, numbers, you know, we've had Marshall Shepard on us several times. I like to say we got Marshall his start, you know, uh, because he was, you know, newly minted uh, AMS president and Don Knox said you need to have him on the show. And then we had him back a bunch of times because he's brilliant. And, uh, you know, then he went and did Weather Geeks, which is, you know, really, you know, that's really cool that, that that he's done that. I love that show every week.
2: And certainly, I mean, we're all fans of Weather Brains and we enjoy everything you guys do uh, each and every week. So thanks for all you guys do to uh, entice our lives with a little bit of weather knowledge and a few rants by Kevin, of course, throughout. the
0: week. <laughs> I, have, I have one to jump. I, I have a, a question kind of going with Weather Brains, Bill. What has been some of the more memorable shows, maybe controversial shows? I can <laughs> think of a few uh, that kind of I, I would say even Monday Night Show, you know, that was an interesting topic and. Um, I felt sorry for the guy who was, who was on there, you know, Kevin, uh, I didn't feel sorry not that much, but Kevin, you know, and James was, was talking about, you know, with now issuing these private companies issuing warnings, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of people's lives at stake, especially with you guys there in the Birmingham area. I mean, you guys have seen this firsthand.
3: Well, he, you know, th- this fellow who was on the show was a really nice fellow and you know what had happened basically to make it occur, you know, you get these things coming all the time and anytime you, you know, talk about issuing your own, you know, warnings, you're going to get spans attention really quickly. And so when, when he saw that uh, Troy Delkis at WFAA was doing this, you know, he sent it around internally to our group and said, you know, Hey, what does anybody know about this? And I just signed up for the service. You know, I plopped down my $2 and 99 cents and, you know, wait for, you know, wait for an alert to come. And uh, of course I didn't get any
0: today. That's interesting. I I was thinking about.
3: I I guess I wasn't in anything today, but I I don't know. Maybe that's good. But so anyway, I you know signed up for it. Well, this guy Tom Crenshaw calls back a couple hours later, and he says, "Hey, I noticed you haven't set your system up. You know, I want to walk you through it." And thought that was really good customer service. You know, the funny thing was, you know, when it first came out, everybody said, "Well, who are they?" And when you Googled the address that their company is set up for, it's like this vacant lot and. Fort Walton beach was like a big tree. And, you know, so when you go to Google maps and you look at the street view, you know, there's this tree. And so, um, Brian Peters chimed in. Well, they do have a Facebook page with some <laughs> testimonials. And so Kevin had the line of the month cause he, he wrote back an email. He said, um, "You know, um, it's a it's a company in a treehouse with a Facebook page. What can go wrong with this?"
0: <laughs> oh gosh! So,
3: you know, Tom t- started talking to me, and he started asking these questions. You know, "What do you do?" And then, you know, I told him. And um, so, when we got to the weather brains part, I said, "You know, hey, we'd love to have you on the show. Talk about it." And so I I cleared the decks to have him on because you know suddenly I knew, and I I alerted him up front. I I told him I said you know look you're gonna catch some flack. Um you know do you want to have anybody else from your company too? You know I know you're on the meteorology side, but if you want to have a officer or something. And he's like no no we're good. I told him you know Kevin's gonna probably come after you, James is gonna come after you. I was trying to have Gina Yosco um because you know I thought she would be a you know fair minded both sides of the equation thing and i knew nate would kind of be both sides of the equation but um you know gina couldn't do it so you know we had dr laura because we needed a social scientist in that environment so i invited laura to be on the show and and y'all saw what happened
0: yeah.
3: um, i don't think he still came really prepared and some of the things he said were unfortunate but you know who knows we're trying to get to a unified message and the thing is fraying apart on us as we go through time and that that scares me personally
0: and I, I agree with James, you know, he said, this is a critical year because we could lose it all, you know, you know, with, with so many more companies now issuing their own, own alerts and stuff. So um, one other thing, a couple other things, I, I, I kind of like the Bill Murray, I, Ricky and I work with each other and Shay as well as, as book and guests. So I want to ask a question about booking guests, but before I do that, I want to kind of tell off the last question. Um, episode 404, obviously, <laughs> uh, obviously uh yeah, well that that was the gasoline. that
2: was the episode right there Boy, we're yeah. throwing all the fo- gasoline in the fire tonight aren't we <laughs>
0: yeah and- well I just, it, it's just you know if no one's ever watched weather brains you know that is one show it's a little controversial but it was handled the right way you guys as well as as mike uh well prepared for the show talk to us a little bit about that one as well
3: well you know we had wait we had waited for months to get mike on the show you know we'd ask him several times and you know from right after the event you know up through because you know I, I was watching that you know from new york city watching all this stuff unfold and you know hearing various streams going kind of at the same time thinking you know well you know that's amazing that they're saying what they're saying so we tried to get him on the show and and then he finally you know South the blue said yeah i'll be able to do it in october so he does it and you know we didn't really know how it was going to unfold um, so suddenly, you know, it looked like an NXS video, you know, where he's dropping these white cards, you know, and it's like, wow, know I mean, it's yeah, like, like a music video. <laughs> and And he kind of poured out his heart and said what he had to say. and um, you know it was it was really controversial. A lot of what we said was amazingly controversial. to the point that when it was over, he wrote me and said, "Do not release that show. Really? Well, that you couldn't it had already been released. it was live. And, uh, you know, it was already out there. And so he, he got really angry and threatened a bunch of stuff. But I knew we hadn't done anything wrong. You know, we didn't really say anything. It even was to the point where Chuck Doswell sort of disowned us. You know, he even blasted us the next day and said, you you gave this guy too much rope. And, you know, you, you, you should have leashed him in a little bit. And, you know, so we caught a bunch of flack about it, too. But. When, you know, it was all said and done, you know, a lot of things were said and, you know, a lot of stuff got out there and I, I you know, it was certainly the most tense show I was ever a part of. Uh, Monday night came close in some regards, but nothing will <laughs> ever catch 404. How prophetic was that episode number?
0: Exactly. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better better uh, episode number. Back to my booking question, and I'll give it back to Ricky. I didn't mean to step in, but, um, you know, when you first started, was it hard to get guests to say, hey, yeah, I'll come talk on or was it pretty easy uh, and now I'd imagine you've know, you you've got probably a big waiting list.
3: Well it is generally um, easy now because most people have heard of the show. At the beginning it was a little more difficult. There was a, a bit more of the sales process. I, I have to say it really has never been very hard um, just because you know span is a draw in and of itself you know so when you say look hey the weather brain's podcast with james span most people even 10 years ago at least knew he, he was and so he carries a lot of clout in our in our field obviously so that that helped me out a lot and then you know as i started to pick up some notoriety in the national weather association that helped a lot too and so you know i've made a lot of contacts in the nwa our our 3000 members over time you know generally i know who i am now um, Whereas, you know, in Norfolk in 2008, they were like, who is this guy? You know, because they had no idea. And so, you know, it's a real example of how you can get involved in an organization, especially like the National Weather Association. I I'd encourage everyone, go plop your $65 down and, you know, be a member. But don't just sit on the sidelines, you know. Check off that you want to be a part of a committee. Check off that you want to be. You know, uh, uh, you know, a chair eventually. All those things will come to you in time. You know, to the point where I'm the vice president of the National Weather Association, um, and that's just from you know saying, "Hey, what can I do?" You know, give me a job. Let me let me do something. And, and then, of course, you know, I got the annual meeting to come to Birmingham in 2011, which was just huge. And um, you know, so that that opened up a lot of doors for me.
1: Very good, Bill. I get a question for you, and just kind of piggybacks on Scotty's comment or his question. Uh, when you're when you're doing booking, we find we we sort of go with the flow with seasonal topics. So, uh, do you guys sort of operate that way for the most part when you're when you're booking guests ahead of time? Do you say, okay, in springtime we're going to have uh, this person, this person, and then when summertime rolls around for the tropical season, we'll have this person on. Do you sort of go with that theme in mind throughout each year? Well, I'd like to say that we do, uh, Shay. Unfortunately, you know, it's, you
3: know, the thing gets booked out, you know, 60, 90 days in advance a lot of the time. And I do try to do things that way. But so many things just, you know, come at us like this thing Monday night was different. We had to move a guest. Um, You know, we really worked hard to put some of our exciting gets in March. You know, generally by the time tropical season rolls around, you know, it's hard to get anybody from the hurricane center. You know, in the in the heart of severe weather season, it's obviously hard to get people in the SPC. Um, so, there, you know, there are some anti-seasonal <laughs> things that work against you. But, um, you know, for me, it's just been like being a kid in a candy store. I, I can't wait to talk to these people, not only, you know, on the phone before we do the show, but I can't wait till the show on Monday nights because, you know, these are my heroes. And, uh, you know, for me to get to ask them questions, I, I sometimes forget there's anybody listening. You know, it's just like me and this person in a booth
1: at the Denny's,
3: you know, it's like, you know, what can I learn from them?
1: That's exactly how I feel about it, too. I mean, it's just it really is an honor. Every year we, we get these just incredible guests on brilliant people uh that have a lot to share and uh you know we got levi cowan came on last year with oh season. yeah Lovely i mean man. tropical tidbits i mean that's just like we were like great i think we're gonna try to have them back again but you know we try to stick with some seasonal things as well it's just a lot of fun it really is yeah. he's our resident tropical
2: expert so uh eric blake and levi are big uh, big loves for him
3: those are good gets, i tell you what and you're you're right in a very vulnerable location there shay
2: So Bill, you mentioned uh, the NWA and and kind of what you guys have done with that. Uh, Obviously with you being vice president and I can speak very highly NWA as well. We had a great time in Norfolk and uh, the previous one uh, in Salt Lake City and Charleston before that didn't make Norman. But some great conferences over the past couple of years. Talk a little bit about kind of how Alabama WX and the NWA digital seal have kind of moved together and then what Alabama WX is.
3: Well, Miles Museo, who's a W or KBAK, I always always mess that up. It's not WBAK, it's KBAK because he's in Bakersfield, California, is one of the most eloquent, erudite meteorologists in the world. I don't know if you guys might have seen him on the little Weather Brain special the other night because he is the upcoming program co-chair for Anaheim in September of this coming year uh, with Todd Lyricos. And, and Miles is an amazing person. If you have ever heard him speak or talk to him, you know, you're just blown away, but he had this vision for, a you know, a digital seal, you know, long before fake weather became a, a huge problem. Uh, you know, even as social media was emerging, but it, you know, it took him a long time to get it through the bureaucracy. Something like that is not, not a small effort. And the NWA had had a tremendous history with seals for broadcasters, you know, because it's, you know, obviously a big process to manage that. And so um, they came to me and said, Bill, you know, you are exactly the poster child for, you know, for the digital seal, because you're not on television. Um, But, you know, you're you're writing all this material for, you know, for your blog and, you know, all these thousands of posts. And, you know, you're the kind of person we want to reach. And so would you – you know, stand for the seal. Well, guys, that scared me senseless because y'all know I don't have a meteorology degree. Um, I've learned all this stuff on the fly over you know a, a 28 year period of, of I mean, a formally learning. And uh, guys, I, I got to say hello to my um, nine year old here who's bringing me my who's bringing me my coffee. So James, come say hello to the Carolina Weather Podcast. He is the little head who always po- pokes in in the middle of weather brains to bring me my snack. And I'm always talking too much. But this is James.
0: Hi. Hi, Hi James. James. Hey.
3: James is getting overstripped. So, but he's not contagious through the microphone. So. <laughs> so, uh, I hope you feeling only, better. I hope <laughs> you feel better. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he is feeling better. He'll go back to school tomorrow. But so, uh, you know, they, they said, Bill, we want you to be the SEAL. Well, to get the digital SEAL, you had to pass this comprehensive test. And I knew from counsel. That over fifty percent of the meteorologists who take it on the first try fail, and that scared me senseless. So you know, I had the resume. I thought I could pass muster on you know content because you had to stand you know in front of a panel of of uh, seal evaluators, just like a television person did. You had to submit your work, and I mean, I keep it taped up on the wall here what they said about my work. You know, you know, three pages of critique. You know it'll humble you real quick. So I was kind of waiting to the last minute, you know, I didn't really want to take this test. So Dr. Laura Myers came and proctored uh, for me. Really. My wife just basically said, you're going to go take the test, you know, cause I was like, honey, what if I don't pass it? And, um, she said, you're going to take the test so on a Friday afternoon. I sat for the test. They allot you, I think three hours. I know two. And, uh, I finished in about an hour and 15. And, um, I knew I had passed it. And so I, you know, I gave it, you know, you did it on the computer and you know, you hit send and it went away. And you know, you wait a nervous weekend till you hear your results. But you know, when Hulda called on Monday and said, Hey, you know, Bill, you made, you know, an eighty seven or whatever it was, I was like thrilled because you know there were some things in Earth processes that I was a little weak on. But, you know, you knew all this stuff in severe weather and hurricanes and weather forecasting and all that. And I was just thankful for all the hours that I'd put in. so that I was digital seal, basically 001, uh, along with Miles Mus- um, um, Mike Mogul and uh, Jason Samenow. And I'm so, so proud of that. It's probably the, the thing that I'm most proud of in the weather community. Now, we've really got to get out there and market. We need more people to become digital seals. You know, people say, oh, it's a money grab by the NWA. No, it's not. It costs every penny of what it takes to, you know, for us to pay in. I just did my recertification. You know, it, it takes that much work by the, by the staff of the NWA to, you know, vet all this stuff. But I hope a lot more folks will, will take that route. You know, it's been a little bit congested in NWA bureaucracy because, you know, the first thing out of the broadcaster's mouth was, do I need a seal? Um, do I need a digital seal? And, of course, the answer back was, no, you already have a seal. Um, and so that takes a large percentage of the population that could be a customer for it out of the mix. And uh, so, you know, we're still struggling with how to get that out there and get it in front of people and, and how to get the general public to recognize that that's an important designation when you're getting your weather information. You know, it's not some guy down the street, you know, that's a, a roofer or something. You know, it's somebody who knows what they're talking about. Now, I think I answered the first question. I think there was a question about, what was the next question, Ricky? Remind me. We uh, were just talking a little bit
2: about Alabama WX. I mean, you, oh, you wow. mentioned how, many, how, <laughs> you know, how m- much traffic that site gets and how that really has become an va- a incredibly valuable asset to the state of Alabama as a whole.
3: Yeah, you know, Spanish is such a forward-thinking guy, you know. So, you know, we started the weather company in uh, April of 1998. And, and you have to go back a little further than that because when I was doing te- television at channel 42 in Birmingham, I was the weekend meteorologist, but it's sort of morphed over time to where I was the severe weather guy. And then I was doing, you know, 20 nights a month and I had this hotel career too, at the same time. And it, it you know, the two were not absolutely compatible with each other. So I had to pick one and, and, and fortunately, and, and truthfully, I probably made a mistake I walked in and quit the television station and I sold a business that I had started working at night. This is another lesson, you know, to everybody, you know, while I was sitting there on these long overnight, severe weather situations, you know, just watching the radar, I created a hotel weather facts, which combined my hotel career and my weather career. And that hotel product grew to 1200 customers. So we were bringing the money home in a wheelbarrow. I mean, literally, it was, you know, $50,000 a month that we were making off this product. And it was me and John Olshue. Uh, And, I mean, literally, you know, it was nuts. And so AccuWeather was coming around trying to snuff it out. They didn't really like it. So they were trying to put it out of business. And uh, they came along and bought it. And um, it, it turned out to be a great transaction for everybody involved. And, you know, for AccuWeather, it was great. And for us, it was fabulous. And But I had a two-year non-compete. So when I came off that span said, let's start a weather company. And uh, so we did, and it's been more like a weather club, I think than a weather company, you know, we make just enough money to pay, ch- you know, pay the content providers a little bit. Uh, the most money we ever made was when the weather channel came and bought the name. So I don't know if y'all ever noticed in the, in the dark of night, our name went away, you know, we were the weather company and then suddenly we were the weather factory and that was because the weather channel bought our name. So, but you know, span had always been like, okay, let's, You know, we started on just the ABC, you know, television station thing. Then we went to a platform. I don't remember what it was, Blogger or something. But we eventually moved over to WordPress. And uh, that move happened in, I don't know, 2007 maybe, 2006. And uh, we've never looked back. You know, you can just see when he tweets, you know, one of your posts, I mean, you can just watch the traffic. It goes from, you know, today at average we'd be running six to 700 simultaneous viewers. And, you know, he would tweet something out and it would, you know, it would immediately spike to 1,600. And on a winter weather event, it may spike to 6,000 or, or 6,500. We just went to a huge new server set up um, uh, in the summer last year. And we're still waiting to see if we can, you know, sort of test the limits of that. I was, you know, kind of hoping today would, well, not, you don't want a big weather event. You know, you're hoping you get a lot of traffic. And today we didn't even scratch the surface i mean we never topped 20 percent of the server resources today so i fear there's some big events coming (laughs) in the in the coming weeks that that may may test that but you know we're trying to learn how to streamline it and we went to a magazine format two or three weeks ago and that's a big deal people here didn't want this thing to change i mean it had literally not changed in nine years and um so you know we we tried to educate them that they're going to see a lot more content they'll see it in a much more visual format and So far, you know, only a couple of people have been upset. We've listened to what they said very carefully, like a guy today said, "You look, I'm having to sift through too much information. So, you know, while Scott Martin was working, I I was finding out ways to assimilate what this guy was talking about. And so, you know, we came up on the fly with a new page that would just be chronological posts like they were used to. And um, so if somebody wants, so we're going to unveil that to the group tomorrow. It's actually on the site tonight, but You know, you can go there if you want to see the way sort of it used to look. So, you know, I'm trying to stay one, you know, you know, out in the front of, you know, making sure that everybody's happy.
2: And you've been, I mean, you mentioned your hotel business. Uh, You mentioned this Alabama WX. You're really an entrepreneur in the weather industry. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, lots of people, especially in the broadcast sector now, are starting to think, hey, what's my plan B? What can I do? You've been successful in this. Any tips for people who are looking to try and do something like that?
3: You have to think that way. You you have to you have to train yourself. Um, I was a hotel. You know, I never really how do I say this? I never really liked working for anybody. Um, you know, I've only ever had two jobs. Um, I worked for a hotel company. I I went from desk clerk at a at a hotel to president of that company. And then some people said, you need to start your own. And I did. And so, you know, I really like getting to call the shots. And a large part of that is because I want to do weather when I want to do weather, you know. So I I can manage my hotel career and and that at the same time. Everybody in my office has worked a severe weather event with me. You know, I've had accountants sitting there doing social media. You know, on April 27th, we literally had all hands on deck. We were around the conference table. And everyone was assigned a different job. Your job is to tell me what's in chat. Your job is to tell me what's in social media. You know, your job is to, you know. And then, then my job was like, wait a minute, I let you all down because the tornado was bearing down on our office. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about their safety. And as we were all huddled under desks in the smallest room in the middle of the building, you know, I thought, I, I about, I, I'm going to kill 11 people in one day in my office. Uh, you know, that's going to be the most ironic thing ever. But, um, you know. The main thing is to think entrepreneurially and to go, I did it, you know, early on by reading magazine, reading all the books at Barnes and Noble that were about business plans, um, you know, uh, about selling your business. And and I've got some great business books over time. You know, Guy Kawasaki is one of the best, you know, he has some really good books. Um, You need to grab those and read them and start to think that way. And, you know, my first ill-fated attempt at a company was in 1989. And, you know, Jerry Tracy at Channel 13 in Birmingham said, Bill, you know, start small, do it in your basement. Well, I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted the big business plan. You know, I wanted to go out with a big bang. I, you know, created a huge, you know, business plan, took it to a local news talk station and said, let me be your weather guy. I'll barter the spots and, you know, I'll go out and sell them and I'll give you 24-7 weather. I was so thrilled. I was heading out to go to the AMS broadcasters conference going to be my first big deal and I literally was driving to the airport when the announcement came on the radio that the radio station had been sold. And I pulled into a parking lot and you know ran to a pay phone and called my contact and said, "Why did you not tell me this?" And he said, "I couldn't. It's it was confidential. And so they were converting to an all sports format and of course they didn't want they didn't need 24 seven weather. And so I took my little tail between my legs and went back to Jerry and he said, I try to tell you, Bill, start small. And so that was the, the reason the weather facts started because that was small. You know, I could do that out of a laptop with wind facts and, you know, I could run down 10 hotels and get them to sign up and then we could scale it from there. But, you know, in whatever you're doing, be thinking entrepreneurially because you don't want to work for somebody else. You know, at some point, you want to work for yourself.
2: And on your daily workflow, what's your your workflow for the website like during the uh, day?
3: Well, now, you know, it's it's sort of always been me and one other person primarily producing the website. Um, Span is huge because he drops in. You know, when whenever he drops in and puts some, you know, puts some knowledge out there on the site, it's amazing. Um, and he's doing two videos a day. Uh, you know, and doing five forecast packages a week on it, and then we all build around him. But you know, the the main job now is to make sure that the content is fresh and relevant. Um, you know, we're including weather history posts now. We're including some of Brian's weather one on ones. We'll start increasingly trying to do some national weather headlines and what's going on around the country. Um, you know, that sort of stuff. I love weather folklore. It's one of my favorite things, you know. So we're we're gonna start doing more of that kind of stuff. And so our goal is to you are going to be to have about four to five posts on a on a slow day. Today we had over 70 posts, and um, you know, we were really, really busy. And so the workflow is just wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you know, you and the other meteorologist Ryan Stinnett writes our weekend pack or weekday noon packages and a couple of the weekend packages, so he helps out. And Scott Martin, you know, is a young man who's in the Mississippi State program, and, uh, you know, he's in our local NWA chapter, won our scholarship. And, you know, he approached me and said, hey, you know, Bill, would you ever have a position? I said, "Yeah, come right now. You know, well, now he's working about 40 hours a week. You know, he was here all day today helping with severe weather and and forecasting. And so I'm hoping it's a golden opportunity for him because, you know, he'll, um, you know, like Ryan Stinnett, Got a great job in Montgomery after working on the blog. And some of the skills he picked up were very important in helping him win that job. And he, you know, he came in in tears the day came to tell me that he was going to interview with him. And I'm like, no, this is what I want you to do. You know, this was the whole job for you to do was to, you know, get your skill set where you wanted it to be and get a TV job. So you know all the WordPress stuff we had done all the things with ad servers and that was real world experience that they wanted for their digital side and it helped him get his job.
2: Um switching topics just a little bit you mentioned weather history and obviously you've been through quite a few big events over the years and some memories of yours and weather history is one of your your passions and one of your interests talk a little bit about just Anything that comes to mind, anything you want to mention in the world of weather history? y'all know, y'all know JB Elliott. I mean, you
3: know, who passed away, um, a couple of years ago, all of our mentors and JB was a photographer, you know, in, in my community, lived in my community. So like he did all the photography for my high school. So like when you went to the junior senior prom, you know, JB was the photographer, um, but when I was in the sixth grade, the year of the super outbreak, I begged my parents to take me to the National Weather Service. And, you know, they, they ran me out to West Oxmoor Road on Saturday mornings and literally would pull up at 9 o'clock and drop me off and come back at 5 o'clock and get me. And um, the people in the Weather Service were so nice to let me, you know, sit with them, you know, on the floor, to go in the map room, to sit in the teletype room, and to literally sit at the desk of whatever the Warnings Coordination Meteorologist used to be called. And I went through those files just like they were, you know, gold, and and recorded so much information. My first science project was done off of that research. You know, I did a climatology of Alabama tornadoes um, my sophomore year, and boom, you know, I, I had a science project that by the the next year, the, we had this coach who was chemistry teacher who coached science project kids, and he took. He asked me to be one of his, um, you know, one of his prodigies or whatever. And, you know, I, I did a project on hurricanes that went to the International Science Fair. So I got really close to JB through all those years. But, you know, what was always amazing was, you know, you get weather radio and, you know, you guys don't, you hear weather radio now, you hear a computerized voice. It's just spitting out products. But in 1976, when JB, when we got weather radio, um, this guy went live all the time. And everything was recorded on tape. So it was real voice. So, as a severe weather fanatic, like I know you guys are, or a winter weather fanatic or a tropical fan, you know, my day was dictated by whether JB was on shift. You know, if I turned on the weather radio at six o'clock in the morning and JB was working, it's going to be a good day. And uh, because if it was a, a busy day, he kept you posted on what was going on and you knew what was going to happen. If it was a slow day, He'd be talking about the weather in California. And if it was a really slow day, he'd be talking about weather history. And so I literally would, I would record on a cassette recorder the things that he said. And I would record them in a notebook. And that became sort of the genesis of this huge document that I created that's like, I think it's now seven or eight hundred pages long, that's just a day-by-day weather history. 13, 15 posts per day, and uh, it gives me all the stuff that I put on the blog, but, you know, it gave me this intense appreciation for all these events, because sometimes they turn out to be these black swan events, you know, I'd always heard of March 21st, 1932, JB always, you know, it always rung in my ears that recording of him talking about the great big white ice cream cone of a tornado that moved into Tuscaloosa, you know, That stuff just was gripping to me. And so, you know, you look up on April 27th, 2011, and you realize we not only are surpassing the 1974 outbreak, which was huge. You know, this is on a par with that tornado outbreak, which is sort of the science fiction that could never happen again. You know, 300 people dying on one day in Alabama. No, that could never happen. You know, and suddenly you realize it might be happening again. So I have a tremendous appreciation for all those weather history events. I love to post about them. I love to go to the library and, you know, take all the newspapers and, you know, go through those and read them. Because, you know, I don't know. That's how I get close to the weather. So I've always loved that. Some of my favorite events in my life, um, the arrival of Hurricane Camille in 1969 made a big impact on me. It made me very interested in hurricanes. I've tracked every hurricane since. For years, I tracked them on a world book atlas. I don't know if you ever saw one of those big atlases, you know. And literally, I'd marked up these pages, you know, with pencils until the, you know, I'd erased them so much that the color was gone on the oceans. Um, but Hurricane Camille comes to mind. Hurricane Agnes in 1972. Um, hurricane Carmen in 1974 was coming right from mobile alabama and it basically just dissipated on saturday night before it even made landfall nearly um you know hurricane eloise in 1975 Uh but my my best storm ever was hurricane frederick in 1979 i was a senior in high school and i could not wait till that night to listen to wwl you know you just wait for the the sunset to happen so that the Clear Channel station would be coming through, and I literally recorded it all on cassette tapes. And um, you know, it was just an amazing experience. And that's the only time I've ever lied to my employer uh, because I had—I I guess I've lied to y'all now because I've actually had three jobs. I was a ticket taker to a movie theater, um, and so I, my employer called me that night because one of the parents of the popcorn girls was—you um you know—was not going to let her come to work because this hurricane was coming, and I hated to tell her the hurricane wasn't gonna bother us till the next day but um you know i went in i you know he wanted me to come into work and i i literally told him i had homework well that homework was listening to hurricane frederick the whole night
2: that's good that's a good excuse i mean think about where it's led you now and uh where all that information uh, takes you to today
3: well there was an amazing uh, you know there was somebody else that was out there covering the hurricane that night and it was james fan he was brand new at wvtm in birmingham which may have been WAPI then, I guess, um, Channel 13. He was the brand new meteorologist. He'd been there less than two weeks. And, um, you know, whereas the other meteorologist in Birmingham wouldn't even think about going to the coast. He was, he was down there phoning it in from a, you know, a shelter in Mobile County. And, you know, he got to have a lot of respect for that.
2: Do you think your knowledge of weather history kind of helps you communicate better now uh, in terms of thinking about what we could see, what previous events have done, and what some of the damage storms are capable of?
3: Yeah. And and two, you, you know, you, you see some things like today. I think it's extremely important as a forecaster when you, you know, I never really – you don't want to hear this when you've only got two or three years under your belt, you know. You put everything in empirical forecasting terms, you know, as, you know, read the models i know the charts i do the top-down forecasting i can forecast the weather but so many times it's a feel thing and and you don't really get that till you've done it for about 20 or 30 years and so you know you start seeing this pattern unfold this morning And i looked at scott and i said you know look here's where it's going to pop you know it's going to it's going to start in lamar county it's going to come up through fayette into northwestern walker you know it's going to go through winston and if we're going to have anything big that's where it's going to be um, just because of the timing of the event, you know, where the, you know, where the stuff was and, you know, pretty much that's what occurred. So you start to get a feel for things. It's really exciting when what you say is going to happen, happens, you know, that's, that's got a real rush to it.
1: Bill, i got a question for you. This is sort of along those lines as well, but uh, and it does have a little bit of controversy uh, when it comes to national coverage of severe events. <laughs> so this has been kind of a hot topic for us too. We we've, we've had some discussion on it. And it seems like the national syndicates have sort of relinquished their interest in it. It seems I don't I don't know if that's really the case. I know we have Weather Channel, Weather Nation, all of us that do what we what we do to reach our audiences. But what is what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I think what we rail against is this constant, you know, this overhyping of big events, you know, by the national media. Uh, it's just shocking, you know, some of the things they come up with. You know, the, the storms that strike without warning, you know, in the middle of the night. And, you know, you know good and well there was a 40 minute lead time on that tornado warning. You know, and and so those things get you kind of upset. You know, I think I've kind of stopped watching, you know, I used to live and die by national coverage because You know, I mean, literally an approaching hurricane might mean, you know, 36 hours in front of the television, you know, Uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it meant, you know, 10 or 12 hours on the radio. So now we have the Internet. We have all these things, you know, now you kind of you rely on, you know, more social media type stuff and you sort of watch the other stuff out of the corner of your eye. I was, you know, shaking my head at some of the coverage on Hurricane Matthew this year. And you know, we had a hur- we had a hotel in the hurricane zone. You know, that was actually in the evacuation zone in Jacksonville, and so we we were really concerned about it and trying to make the right decisions about you know, um, you know, first you you, get, you evacuate the hotel, but of course the owner wants someone there. You know, they want someone there. And Well, the police come and say, "You're not staying. You're going." You know, you you know, you know this person is going to leave, and so we you know we had to make some tough calls. So you know. You know, for us, national coverage is kind of what it is. You know, we we try to call it out when we can and, you know, fuss about it uh, when, when we see it.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it just seems that uh, a lot of people may go with watching channels like CNN, Fox. I don't want to I don't really want to put a bunch of names out there, but they could they could pretty much live live their life watching those stations and not even know when things happen seems like poor
2: Alabama is always the one that gets, uh, screwed over for lack of a better term by the national people too.
3: <laughs> yeah. They love, they love to uh, make us their whipping posts. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and the enterprise tornado is a real example of that, you know, because they, they came in and, you know, were you know, they said things that were not nice, uh, after that tornado and, you know, that were unfair. And, and, but luckily we've got this, you know, this uh, hooded Avenger who comes in and, you know, makes things right when uh, when the national media gets it wrong,
2: uh, or uh, upsets Diane Sawyer. Um.
3: <laughs> I was in the general manager's office the morning after he did that, and um, you know, I was there with Bruce Thomas, and we were we were talking to the general manager of the station when the call came from National ABC, and he's like, "Excuse me, guys, I got to take this call." And he takes it, and he's like, he's he's like, he looks at me and he says, "Would you get your man under control?" <laughs> <laughs> jokingly, of course, and he said, you know, they, they want him to, you know, just stand down. And I said, well, tell him to quit, you know, saying stupid things and he'll stand down.
2: <laughs> All righty. Well, we're coming up on uh 10 o'clock last time we had someone on from weather brains. We had them share some stories about, or their favorite stories about a couple of their panel members. So I'm going to give you two opportunities to share something about any of the weather brains, panel members, funny story or something like that. Uh, or maybe something we don't know um, about anyone on your panel and how, why it makes them so awesome.
3: Well, I think the panel that we have right now is just magnificent. I miss John Scala. I think he was a a, a great part of the show, but his workload is sort of. You know, every time he's still on the WeatherBrain's contact list. So when you email, email at weatherbrains.com, it goes to Dr. Scott still. And so every time, you know, he responds, if he ever pokes his head above the, you know, the little hole he comes out of, I make sure to beat on him to come back because I think he'll be back one day. I think if you didn't see him in Norfolk as the swami at the WeatherBrain's table, you really missed out at the WeatherFest because he had this big Jiffy Pop popcorn swami hat and uh we had him you know having the the attendees ask him questions and that was so much fun um you know everybody on the show brings a, a different skill set you know Kevin and I go way back to you know the early 90s um when he was you know just kind of starting out with James uh he was a he was an extremely popular radio personality um on the you know the the number 1 fm station uh and then he made that move into weather you know because James saw something special in him. Uh, Rick is the penultimate, you know, weather gentleman. You're not going to find anybody any finer, uh, you know, obviously than Rick. And and Nate is one of the smartest people I've ever met. And uh, it's just amazing. Of course, he's the new um, chair of the broadcast committee for the NWA, and he's doing some great things there. Um, Of course, you know. You know, you always looked up to Brian because he was our WCM for years, especially through the April 1998 tornadoes. He was, you know, big in Birmingham. So I remember going to the Tornado Summit, whatever that used to be called, in Norman back in 2001 or two. And, you know, just kind of being, I you know, think it was really cool that I got to have dinner with Brian Peters, you know. Uh, Aubrey's pretty amazing story, too, you know, because she worked at a Chili's or an Applebee's, I can't remember which one it was, in the, you know, in the South. And when Hurricane Katrina heartache. came. Yeah. You know, and so uh, I think she's I think she's a neat person, too. So, you know, I think at some point we probably add another guest panelist or permanent panelist soon, you know, so we'll uh, that'll be pretty exciting when we get to do that. So um, I don't know if I know any uh, all the There's just plenty of crazy stories, but, you know, nothing really uh, outlandish. We're all sort of a little family, I guess.
2: Go ahead, Scotty.
0: I was going to say, kind of piggybacking off of that, um, it seems like uh, you know that you, uh, Bill, and, and James, and Brian, and JB, you guys all kind of grew up here in the, in the central Alabama area. You guys have really formed what you call a, a great friendship. H- how did that begin? How did how did you meet James and Brian, and how did that that friendship form into something you guys do now on your Monday night shows with Leather Brains, And it seems like you guys all. All are together. It seems all the time.
3: Yeah, it seems that way. We hardly ever. We don't see each other, you know, very much except through this, through this world. You know, span stays so busy. Uh, you get, you get to see Peter's. You know, frequently we'll go out and grab a barbecue or something. You know, we miss JB like crazy. Um, you know, we love taking him. Um, you know, leaf watching and you know, doing fun things with him. Um, you know, the one thing that does bring us all together is we're all members of this little company called the Weather Factory. And so you have to have meetings and things for that. And, you know, we coordinate forecasting. So we're sort of, you know, vo- virtual most of the time. But, you know, there are these times like you get together for the Mississippi State Symposium or at NWA, you know, when we had almost everybody there in, in uh, Norman at the National Weather Center that night. You know, those are those are the times you you remember. I think for me and James, it's probably... Um, you know, JB was sort of our pivot point. Um, we used to go and hang out at the weather service and, you know, um, talk to those guys either when he was on television or when I was a student and, you know, before the internet guys, if you weren't standing in the teletype room at the national weather service office, you didn't have a pipeline to real information. That was, that was where you got it. Uh, when they put AFOS in and the, in the, you know, in the late seventies, we didn't get it in Birmingham till, maybe late 79 um, you know before that it was those clickety clacketing you know teletypes I have one out here in the basement I'm gonna tie it to Twitter to President uh, Trump's Twitter account and I just let it sit over here in the corner and <laughs> every time he says something so
1: yeah I always remember my dad being in the Air Force and, and back in the early 70s and he would just he would go to the Air Force and get all the information on any storms that were coming and he'd, he'd be off and and he would he brought me once. He he would show me the information you get home. that old dot early dot matrix back then. But uh it was it's was pretty neat. You had to actually go there, get the information, and then come back. So
3: yeah. Well, my dad, Shay, worked for the Birmingham News and um, you know, he was he he maintained the linotype machine, which was the machine that made the little physical print. You know, for you know, in my, in my younger days, you know, my dad and my granddad at the newspaper, they used these little metal slugs to set the type in boxes. And that's how the newspaper pages were made. And, um, I can remember when in about 1968 or so, he went to linotype school on Long Island and learned how to use this machine. So he was in demand in the state of Alabama. These other newspapers would have him come on the weekend and maintain their machines. And so he would let me tag along on, you know, Friday nights and, I would stay up all night in the, you know, the newsroom of the Gadsden Times, you know, with 20 teletype machines going. Um, You know, you would have, you know, they would mainly be focused on, on, you know, the Associated Press and the wire services, but there would always be that Noel Weather Wire, you know, clacking over there in the corner. And, uh, you know, now the stuff we have, I've got five screens sitting right here. and I have, you know, an infinite amount of weather information, but back then you literally were, You know, looking at JB typing at seventy-two words a minute. You know, getting the information. I don't see how they did it.
0: One last question. I know we're we're closing on the top of the hour, like Ricky said. Uh, You referenced it several times throughout the program tonight, Uh, and we had James on the show a couple of years ago talking about um, April twenty seventh. Obviously, for Alabama, you know, weather history. That was the that's the the top of top of the, the peak right now. Um, what, what was your thoughts going into it? T- tell us how, what was you thinking as we were going into that day, uh, as we led up to it, you know, everything, all the weather models was telling, this is going to happen. Talk about your, your thoughts and your feelings as, as you went into April
3: 27th. Well, you know, we always, Scotty looked 10 days out, you know, James calls it voodoo land. Um, so, you know, I always add that in my weekend forecast, you know, you, you always look out the end of the model run and you start seeing crazy things and, you know, you see this stuff and you, you say, wow, you know, that could be a big event. And, you know, it had just been a crazy spring. I'm, I'm sure you all remember. All the events seemed to be, you know, high voltage. And we were planning the National Weather Association meeting at that point, you know, because it was me and Span and Jim Stefkovich. We were the chair people for the meeting. And so we met on the Thursday night before the event, which was, you know, like six days out. And I remember Stefkovich walking in the you know the conference room at the weather service and going have you seen the model data you know for next wednesday and you know of course everybody was like yeah he's like i've never seen a double digit stp you know and i you know can this really happen and you know so i remember the the chill that that you know developed between me span and stefkovich sitting in the room that night and as it got closer and closer you you kept seeing this you know confirming information, but you got to the night before and you got this convection in Mississippi, you know, and you think it's going to die before it gets in here after midnight, but it didn't, it just kept coming and coming. And it seemed like it got stronger. And this first wave came through here about five o'clock in the morning. And, you know, we had significant tornadoes and tons of wind damage and powers out over a huge area and trees are down. We had, you know, F2 and F3 tornado damage and you go, can the atmosphere recover? And I remember JB writing about 830. Um, I don't think the atmosphere can recover. And I don't think it'll do what it's, you know, what what the SPC and everybody thinks. And, you know, we were all like, no, JB, don't say that. You know, we, we I think we got to approach this like, you know, it is going to happen. And I remember looking at that low-level jet coming across Mississippi about 1130. It was so strong that, you know, you could physically see it in the clouds. I remember going outside my office and looking up just to, you know, say, come see this, you know, this is the, this is the low level jet coming across. And, you know, the dew points just shot up and, you know, about, I don't remember exactly what time, but looking up and seeing that first tornado on the Coleman sky cam, it was like, this is for real. And then I had a, you know, I had a 19 year old kid at the university of Alabama. Um, and, you know, I looked at the people in my office when that tornado appeared on the sky cam in Tuscaloosa. And I, I said, I'm going to be going to get a body bag tonight because you know that tornado's on the ground. I know where it's going. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to miss this house. And I had him on the phone because, you know, I'm, I'm busy frantically, you know, posting, talking, doing all this information, barking out orders. And I just wanted to hear what happened, you know, because it just would kill me to not know for hours, um, you know, and, and you have to stop what you're doing and go. And I couldn't afford to do that. So I was just hoping and praying that it missed him and it missed him by two blocks. And, uh, he walked South on Hackberry and walked to 15th and told me what he saw. And it was just heartbreaking. He said, dad, I got to go help. And I said, go honey, go help. Just glad you're safe. And we didn't see him for two days, you know, because he was, he was helping with the relief effort. You know, that child is still, he's 27 years old. And he's traumatized by the weather still, you know, he sees a cloud, you know, I'm getting a text. It's like, dad, is this okay? Yeah. No, you're good, buddy. You're good. I'll let you know if (laughs) if anything's coming towards you ever again, believe me, because I had been on the phone with him three hours in advance. Say, Chris, at five o'clock, you're going to have to be in a safe place. And he was in what he thought was a safe place and what we maybe thought was a safe place, but it wouldn't have been if the tornado had come that way. He should have been in a big building on the university campus and, you know, I just I'm just lucky to get to um, never let that mistake happen again.
2: Bill, I have one more question. I promise we'll let you. Go.
3: I'll go all night. Rick. This is don't this don't is say that. So much, <laughs> so much fun for me.
2: I don't have to go like Span does at uh, <laughs> eleven. But you know, you you mentioned these big traumatic events, and you guys have been through a few. If you don't mind speaking about it, how do you guys decompress after the events and, and get through them and? I mean, it, obviously, they're kind of traumatic. And then for people who haven't experienced that before, or maybe have, how do you, I guess, not move on, but just understand what happened, I guess?
3: You know, you, you do the best you can do. Um, and, and on April 27th, I felt like from the blog side, everything went as perfectly as it could have gone. Um, You know, we were really scared in those days about the server crashing. Uh, You know, one of my key concerns was managing the content and keeping it streamlined so that that didn't happen. And I never lost the blog the entire day that day. We had well over a million page views, which was a lot back then. Now we just, you know, we just had a a snow day that had that many a, a few weeks ago that was nothing like April 27th. Um, we probably could have had more page views that day if we'd had bigger servers, but we never lost the blog. Um, I felt like we got out great information throughout the day. We were on top of it. We were ahead of it. Lots of people said they consumed the information and used it to make decisions. So, you know, when I went to bed that night, I was troubled but exhilarated that we had done a good job. Um, You know, the next day I got in the car and went out to Pleasant Grove, Alabama, which was hard hit by the Tuscaloosa to Birmingham tornado and walked the entire community, every block, every street, every house. I talked to hundreds of people. And when I got through to the end of the day and I drove through the checkpoint to go, you know, to go back home, I never wanted to see another tornado for the rest of my life. Um, It was really hard. Um, We had to provide coverage the next few days because we had another event two or three days later. And there were, you know, search and rescue teams in the field working. And we knew getting that information was out so important. But it was terribly hard uh, to go back and deal with with it. You never want to see another tornado again. Um, You know, it's like today, you know, you're you're excited to be like spring training, you know, we're going to have a kind of low end event. Nothing big is going to happen. We'll probably get 40 warnings and we can test out our new systems. And, you know, we got through the day with 32 storm reports or 32 hail reports and 15 or so wind reports but no major problems except for a Gunnersville policeman getting hit in the head by a golf ball sized uh, hailstone Uh, and living and and being okay. Fortunately, that was probably the most interesting thing that happened the whole day. And that's the way I like it. Um, I don't ever want to go through April 8th, 1998 again. I don't ever want to go through April 3rd, 1974 again. I sure don't want to, hopefully we won't have another April 27th for 40 more years because we're on about this 40 year periodicity of those big events. and, it's fine with me if they never come again. Now James has taken it a lot more personally, as y'all know. Um, he feels like 252 people died on his watch that day, and he feels personally responsible for, you know, for it. And a lot of us have tried to, you know, encourage and, uh, you know, and 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 you know, make sure he doesn't feel that way. But I don't, I don't think we'll ever change him in that regard. I think it's really changed him.
2: Yeah, of course, it was a life-changing event for uh, so many people across your area. <laughs> All right, I will end this on a positive note. Uh, You are a big baseball fan. Who's going to win the World Series this year?
3: You know, Ricky, I never care about the teams because I like all 30 teams. Uh, I love, I just love baseball. It's, you know, kind of challenging now, you know, because your kids don't love baseball the way we loved baseball. Um, They think it's a slow sport. You know, we have tickets – we have six season tickets to the minor league team here in Birmingham, which is so cool because they moved downtown. And they love to go, you know, but they don't sit there and score the games, you know, like we did. And, you know, I listened to the Braves on the radio when I was little, and that run, you know, from 91 on through was just so much fun. But – so for me now, it's more – I I love fantasy baseball, so – I have an entire set of tops cards upstairs from last year. I'm about to start sorting them into positions and and getting ready for our fantasy baseball draft on April 2nd. So if any of you guys or anybody that's listening to the podcast tonight wants to be part of our um, our um, our weather our weather fantasy baseball league this year, we'd love to have you. John Tui Morales is amazing. I don't know if y'all know John, but he's uh, he's won the league like two out of three years. And uh, I'm glad he's taking a break this year because I might have a chance to finish first for a change.
2: All righty. Well, tell folks how they can get in touch with you. Um, and then we'll give it back to Scotty for the end here.
3: Yeah. Well, you can uh, you can email me directly at Murray at att.net. That's my old um, standby, I had it for 400 years email address. Um, uh, of course, I'm at WX with uh, a WX historian, which I, I haven't done as good a job the last couple of years keeping up, but I'm about to start getting really excited about that again and uh you know of course you can find us on the alabama wx um, weather blog that's AlabamaWX.com, and uh, you know we get a lot of content over there we see some things we could do together you know let's uh, let's chat i got you know we have a great mentoring system in the nwa and i have a a new uh, a new older person that i'm mentoring who's sort of coming into meteorology at an older age so that's kind of perfect for me to do so You know, I'd love to hook you up with the NWA, get you involved in that organization. Um, You know, somebody, I was touting somebody the other day about, you know, being a corporate member and being, uh, you know, at Weatherfest this year. And they were like, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's just, you know, I'm sure you get a commission from the NWA. You're like, what? You know, never made a dime off the NWA. You know, cost, you know, to travel to events and do things. And I wouldn't miss it for the world. So, no, I don't make any money off of any of this. Uh, it's for the love of the organization and the love of the weather enterprise.
2: And I can say Bill's been one of the nicest people I've ever met at NWA meetings. So uh, when if you go to one, stop by, say hi. He's not hard to find. He'll have you a, better. He'll have a little briefcase with him. And, uh,
3: hey, I'll be rolling them. that computer around because I'll probably do in a post in about 15
2: minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scotty.
0: Well, Bill, we appreciate it. And by the way, that Twitter account, we've uh, really – put some notifications on it tonight so uh if I, you I'll check it this, sort it all out yeah if you that. check it this evening you're going to see a lot of notifications from us here at the carolina weather group but we well, really that'll do, be
3: my kickoff right there scotty i will get back to work on it tomorrow i promise
0: there you go well we really do appreciate having you and uh would love to have you again sometime just to just to chat about weather or whatever the case may be uh it's been a great hour it seems like this hour has flown by
3: and you know you guys are you know, you have a permanent invitation to be guest panelists on our show. I'm, you know, I'm excited that we're going to do it in a couple of weeks, but or whenever it is, I can't, whenever the calendar um, is, but was it March um, 20th or something, Bill? Yeah, something like that.
2: Uh, but, I guess we should throw that out there. We were talking about podcast week. Uh, Bill invited me to be on, uh, let me check the calendar, March uh, 20th. So I believe that's your March Chuck Cosmo show, right?
0: Yeah, that's
3: going to be a fun one.
2: Yeah. So, I going to be on the controversy show. <laughs> a controversial one. So, we'll Yeah, that'll be that.
3: the R-rated edition
2: of Weather Brains probably. Weather Brains After Dark.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That may No be, title. That may be the appropriate uh, the the appropriate t- the title for that one for sure.
0: Maybe uh maybe sometime down the road uh the next few months maybe we can get part of the Carolina Weather Group and Weather Brains to come on as a joint show. That would Oh, fun. that'd be a th-
3: Thrill. that would be yeah, fun. You just count on that. You know that's that's already a done deal. Just let let me know when I'll make
0: it happen. All right, we'll uh, we'll let Ricky and you guys will communicate and we'll see if we can get that worked out. But uh, again, Bill, thanks so much for coming on. Next week we have uh, Ryan Hickman on with Allison House uh, as we're talking about some of the uh, technology coming out of that. And then I'll let Shay promote the next two shows because he's worked really hard with uh, our two guests to uh, uh, to to get those guys on. And as we end the month, we're gonna finish with the uh, Stormfront Freaks as we uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, end out the uh, National Weather Podcast Month. So, Shay, I'll uh, I'll give it to you because you know a little bit more about it than I do. Uh, the two shows coming up in mid-March.
1: Yeah, yeah. On March 15th, we have uh, John Jensenius with Noah. He's the lightning expert for NOAA. Mm-hmm. He's going to be coming on to uh, talk about all of his expertise on it. It's really going to be a great show for public safety awareness on lightning, lightning strikes. He issues all of the formal reports on how many Strikes have happened with articles as, uh, attached to those as well. Um, it's not hard to get on his email chain if, if you're interested in that, but uh, the show after that is going to be also a very important show. It's on sea level rise and this is with Doug Marcy with NOAA's Coastal Management Services here in Charleston. He works literally right next to me uh, in, uh, on the old Navy base here in North Charleston. And so he's going to be talking about sea level rise and some of the flood inundation maps that they create out of that office. So two very exciting shows this month coming up.
0: Yeah, looking forward to those. And as we move into April, we're going to really hone in on the Severe Weather Awareness Month as uh, we'll have some guests lined up. I know uh, Ricky's got Chris White on, who uh, Storm Chaser in Virginia. Uh, we have uh, Trish uh Tricia Palmer, I'm sorry, from uh, National Weather Service in uh, Greenville, Spartanburg, to be joining us uh, the second week of April. So, uh, starting to fill out our uh, our April calendar as well. So, we thank you guys for watching tonight. I do want to say a little bit of sad news, especially for me. A good friend of mine, Grant Gilmore, chief meteorologist at WFMY, uh, has accepted a uh, position in Tampa, Florida. So, he's going to be moving to uh, WTSP uh, down in Tampa. So, Uh, Grant's last day on air is uh, Friday, and we just uh, really appreciate Grant and all the help that he's gave us throughout the uh, past, uh, I guess, three years that we've been doing the Carolina Weather Group. So uh, we are going to miss Grant a lot. Uh, Grant is a good friend of mine. I'm really going to miss him, but uh, excited for uh, his new adventures down in Tampa. And Tim Buckley, uh, a familiar face with us here at the Carolina Weather Group, he's uh, been promoted to the chief meteorologist there at WFNY. So we know uh, it's still in good hands with tim
1: hey scotty i got one thing to add speaking of um uh, unfortunate things i mean i know grant grant's a good friend of yours and, and he's gonna move on to go to so tampa bay hope uh, he yeah i'm not sure how close proximity he's gonna be with paul Delgado down there but i'm sure that that's a gonna it's gonna be a great team those two guys even in separate uh, offices but uh one thing the audience this week Actor Bill Paxton died. He was known for the movie Twister uh, to a lot of meteorologists. So he's he's very well valued in the meteorology community. In fact, most meteorologists now know who he is, know the movie, know the implications of what the movie had. The Weather Spotter Network did something really, really uh, neat. And they created their GPS coordinates on a map that was visible in the Weather Spotter Network and through products such as Radar Scope, uh, created the letters B and P out in Oklahoma uh, for him. And so that I thought that was really neat. That'd be worth mentioning on this show that uh, he will re, he'll be remembered by the meteorology community
0: for sure. And uh, and, and Bill, you you know this Rick uh, Smith was tweeting out over the weekend and this week of just how involved Bill was in making the the movie Twister. I mean, he just was, wasn't wasn't a movie star who came in and and did his part. He actually uh, joined meteorologists and really wanted to know the ins and outs of weather. So uh, very. Uh, sorely missed there with Bill so our thoughts and prayers with his family and I uh, uh, hope, uh, hope that they'll they'll find peace and everything so again thank
3: you. I don't know if y'all remember but you know we had Tim Marshall on a few weeks ago and I think he was telling a story about the movie Twister and said that I think the, the producer of the movie approached him about helping but he couldn't help because it was going to require several weeks or months of effort was it Vince Edwards from the Weather Channel that that actually became the the meteorology consultant on the on the film. Do y'all remember?
2: I forget the name, but I remember the story that like they they had him do the consulting, and then uh, didn't Tim go out there to kind of see what the movie was? And uh, he said they didn't really listen to anything I said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. a movie that influenced a lot of us.
0: No. Very that is that is true. A lot of especially young meteorologists. You know that was. Uh, That was something to watch. Uh, So, again, everyone, thanks for watching the Carolina Weather Group tonight. Uh, Again, if you've been battling severe weather this evening, we hope everything's okay. Uh, Everything's uh, nice and safe for you as the weather's moving out. And uh, uh, we will see you again next Wednesday night with Ryan Hickman from Allison House. You guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.